Exodus chapter 20, you're familiar with this portion of scripture. Why don't you look at it with me? Uh, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says in a, in a most familiar portion of the word of God, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. We are very familiar with those scriptures. We've heard them over and over again. But I want to point you to another verse of scripture that you are also familiar with that we often think about as well. And it is James chapter 4, verse number 17. I love telling people how they can know they're on their way to heaven. I often tell people, of course, the Bible says we're all sinners, Romans 3.23, Romans 3.10, and many other places as well. Well, what is sin? 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. But the Bible also says in James 4, 17, it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Lord, I pray that you bless your word, we pray again. And God, I pray that we would engage our, our hearts. I pray, Lord, that as we're here today, it wouldn't just be to to go through the motions once again. Lord, we know that you have sent so many wonderful speakers here with so many wonderful messages. But God, we know that your word will not return void. We know that you will accomplish your purpose in our lives. And I pray that that would be the case in my life today, in each of our lives today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. In Exodus 20, we see God giving Moses the Ten Commandments to give to God's people. And these commandments were for them to follow. These commandments, they were not grievous. These commandments were for the good of God's people. And by the way, God's commandments are always for our good. And I, I believe it's important to notice as well that just before God gave those commandments, he began by reminding Israel of what he had done for them. You see, it was all those hundreds of years of, of bondage. 400 years of bondage, God delivered Israel. He brought out Israel. He set Israel free. He, he redeemed them. He delivered them. He not only did all that, he provided for them. He guided Israel. He protected Israel. He fed Israel. He sustained Israel. God was abundantly loving and gracious to Israel. He literally did everything for Israel. And then after that reminder of his deliverance, God told Israel, look, there's to be no other gods in place of the true and living God. In addition, he said, look, there's to be no graven images. There's no likenesses of anything that's in heaven above, that's in the earth beneath, that's in the water under the earth. They were not to make images. They were not to bow down to images. They were not to, to serve any other images. God was crystal clear when he let the people of Israel know, there's no other gods before me. But God took it a step further. In Numbers 33, 52, 
The Bible says, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. Well, what's, what's this all about? God gave them the commandments. He said, no other gods before me, no graven images, no likenesses of anything that's in heaven above, that's on the earth beneath, the water under the earth. But here he says, look, you need to destroy their pictures. You need to destroy their molten images. You need to, to pluck down all their high places. What's this about the high places? Other nations were overrun with idolatry and pagan practices that led to other vile actions. And God said, you know what? I don't want my children being part of these idolatrous practices in any way, shape, or form. And one such practice that we read about here in the Word of God would be that the ancient Canaanites and other nations worshipped the stars and they worshipped their idols as well as other false gods on hills, on mountains, on artificial elevations. And these places of pagan worship were known as high places. They were sinners of idolatry. They were sinners of, of untold practices that, that were truly deep grievances in the sight of God. In addition to these high places, we find that there were groves. And the groves were, were trees that were also resorted to by these heathen idolaters. Uh, these sinners of heathen worship were located outdoors in high places in or near a grove of trees. In Jeremiah 17, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It's graven upon the table of their heart while their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. So these groves would block out the light of the sun. These groves would restrict the view of other people. These groves were associated with darkness. These groves of trees literally became places where the people could worship false gods and they could literally become involved in all manner of pagan sinful practices and not be seen by the public. Because these sinful practices were elevated out of sight in these high places. And these sinful practices were hidden by these groves. And worship in these high places and worship in these groves often included sacrifices. Sadly, oftentimes human sacrifice. Burning incense, holding feasts, festivals to many other gods outside of the true and living God. And God said, you know, I want those high places destroyed. I want the groves destroyed. Because those high places and those groves, they became sinners of, of false religion. They became sinners of idol worship. And, and people were literally turning from worshiping the true and living God to worshiping sticks and worshiping rocks and worshiping trees. And God said, you know, I want you to destroy these places of idol worship. In Deuteronomy 12.2, the Bible says, Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains, upon the hills, and under every green tree. So they were frequenting these high places. They were frequenting these groves. And God said, listen, you need to understand, I want the high places and I want the groves 
gone. But they didn't obey God. And let's remember, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so they rationalize. We like to rationalize, don't we? And instead of doing what God asked them to do, they pattern their worship after the heathen. And at first they, they worship God, the true and living God, in these high places and groves. In other words, they were attempting to do the, the right thing the wrong way. And they didn't come right out and worship false gods at first. They did not immediately jump into pagan sacrifices and practice. But in the beginning, they did not obey God. And let's remember, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So they didn't tear down the high places. They didn't tear down the groves. They chose to go their way instead of God's way. And I want to tell you, I'm sure that to the, the masses of people, you know, that all sounded okay because they were worshiping God after all. But the problem was God had told them to tear down the high places and God had told them to tear down the groves. And therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Time and time again, as I was a child growing up, I can remember my parents reminding me of the story of King Saul. My mom and dad were really good at family devotions and pointing us to specific stories. And one of them was the story of King Saul who chose to obey God. I'm sorry, who chose to disobey God in what may have seemed to many to be such a small thing. After all, he did kill most of the Amalekites. I mean, he just spared the king and he, he did kill most of everything else. I mean, all he did was he just spared the, the very best of the sheep and the, the best of the oxen. And after all, it was for sacrifices, you know. I mean, surely God would be okay with that. But God was not okay with that. Because God doesn't want partial obedience. God wants complete obedience. And I remember as a child, my mom and dad driving home to me, 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So what happened? Well, what happened was over time, the kings of Israel and the children of Israel began to stop worshiping the true and living God. Over time, they, they weren't worshiping God anymore. Over time, they were worshiping a variety of false gods. Over time, they were worshiping a variety of false idols in these very high places and in these very groves that God had commanded them to destroy. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that's before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. 2 Kings 17, verse 10, they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree, and there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them, and they wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. So first of all, they, they rationalized and thought, you know, we don't have to go all the way with what God's asked us to do. We're going to go ahead and do the right thing in the wrong way, and before long, they're worshiping the very false images and the very false gods that God had driven out of the country in the first place. You see, sin always takes you further than you want to go. 
Sin always keeps you longer than you want to stay. Every time, always, it costs you more than you want to pay. That's why there's a great set of scriptures I would encourage you to remember in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, where the Bible says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, pass away. In other words, what the Bible's saying is, stay as far away from sin as you can. Make it hard to do wrong. So in other words, if this is the pathway to sin, not only do I need to stay off the pathway to sin, I need to stay off the pathway that leads to the path of sin. And not only do I need to stay off the path that leads to the path of sin, I need to stay off the path that leads to the path that leads to the path of sin. God says, make it difficult to do wrong. Well, it's interesting as we read the story and you say, well, where are you going? Well, it's interesting to find out what the kings did. It's interesting to see what the kings did with God's commands. Hezekiah tore down the high places and groves, 2 Kings 18.4. He removed the high places, break the images, and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Josiah tore down the high places and the groves, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. They break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them. He cut them down and the groves. Asa tore down the high places and the groves. Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange God and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. So Hezekiah, Josiah, and Asa, they went all the way and they said, you know what? What God told us to do, we're going to do it. But you know there's some other kings. And even though they were called righteous by God, they didn't tear the groves down. Jehoshaphat, for example, though called righteous, did not tear the groves down and the high places down. 1 Kings twenty-two forty-three. He walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He turned not aside from doing it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. Jehoash, though called righteous by God, did not tear the high places down. 2 Kings 12, 3. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Azariah, though called righteous, did not tear the high places down. 2 Kings 15, 3. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, save that the high places were not removed. Jotham, though called righteous, did not tear the high places down. 2 Kings 15, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Howbeit, the high places were not removed. The people sacrificed and burned incense still in the high places. You say, well, that's really, really interesting. What's the point? While Hezekiah, Josiah, and Asa chose to follow the pathway of full obedience to God, which, by the way, the pathway of full obedience to God is the pathway of blessing. The path of full obedience to God is the path of wisdom. We see that Jehoshaphat, Jehoash, Azariah, and Jotham did not accomplish what they could have for God because they did not obey God. 
They did not tear down the high places. They did not tear down the groves. And I want us to understand today that we are not going to see God's blessing in our lives on the pathway of disobedience. Okay, so it's one thing to run your race well at the beginning. You come to college in the September, boy, you just, you're just on fire. You're just, boy, you're moving forward for the Lord. But it's another thing to finish the race well. And I do not know where you are in your race today. I do not know, but I have to ask you this question. How's it going today? How's your race today? How's your Christian walk today? How's your relationship with the Lord today? And maybe you look back and you think, you know what? Last year was great. Last week was great. No, but, but let me ask you, how's it going in our walk with the Lord today? You see, a well-known literary figure was famous for saying, it's not the parts of the Bible that I do not understand that trouble me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that trouble me. We know what God wants us to do. And remember, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So I want to ask you a couple questions today. What is it that God wants you to do? And you know God wants you to do it, but you haven't done it yet. Or maybe you've gone halfway with it. Let me ask you, is it possible that you've never truly accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? I want to tell you, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college. I graduated from a Christian college. I taught in a Christian college all before I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I can remember sitting there just thinking to myself, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay. But I wasn't okay. Is it possible that today, this morning, there's a lack of devotion in your life to some spiritual discipline that really needs to be corrected? Could I ask you, is there a matter of obedience that needs to be followed? But let's take it a step further. Let me ask you this morning. In your life, is there a high place that needs to be torn down? In your life today, is there some grove that needs to be cut down? Some sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken. The word of God says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You can try to hide it from God, but you will not succeed. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Aren't you thankful today for God's mercy? Could I ask you, some high place, some growth, some sin, maybe it's just a weight, but it's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. Is there something between your soul and the Savior today? Some hidden grove. Maybe no one knows but you and God. Some hidden high place. 
and no one knows right now but you and God. Could I ask you today, do we need to cut down a grove of pride? God resisteth the proud and he giveth grace to the humble. Without you and without me, God's still God. Without God, we're nothing. Uh, maybe today it's a, a grove or a high place of unforgiveness. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness in our lives? Maybe it's a high place or grove of bitterness. And it's there and you know it needs to come down. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. God says, get rid of it. It's destroying you. It's a grove that really needs to be cut down. Maybe it's the grove of a wrong thought life. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Maybe it's a grove, maybe it's a high place today of some secret sin. No one knows but you and God. Psalm 98, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Psalm 19, 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. God sees it all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. Is there a grove that needs to be cut down today? A high place that needs to be destroyed? And you know it and God knows it, but it's still there. How about a grove or high place of lying? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his delight. How about the grove or high place of language that is unbecoming of a Christian? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Could it be a matter of the heart this morning? Your heart's not where it should be and you know it. What's the heart? The very seat of your affections and passions. That secret place, the, the recesses of your mind. Is it possible this morning that in your heart today, there's years gone by and you're here because you, you want to serve the Lord and you're here because this is where God led you, but, but something's not right in there and for the time being, no one knows it but you and God? Whatever that is, whatever that might be, it's a high place in your life, it's a grove in your life, and you know it? When I was a kid growing up, my dad encouraged healthy eating. Thankfully, he's changed since then. But we used to go to this health food store in Canoga Park called Follow Your Heart. 
and it was horrible. And I can remember my dad buying me a, a hamburger from Follow Your Heart. The problem was there was no ham on the hamburger. I mean, it, it was made with something. I, I really don't know what it was, but it wasn't beef. And then I remember my dad telling me that, that if I drank this juice that they had, it would be really good for me. And boy, it would really help me. And it was spinach, parsley, and celery juice mixed together. And it was bad when it was fresh. And when it wasn't fresh, it was unbelievable. Follow your heart. I got to tell you, the food wasn't really delicious, but the other thing is this. That's horrible advice. The Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I guess it comes to this this morning. I'm, I'm asking you this question. Is there something, is there a high place, is there a grove in your life that has come between you and God? You know, we sing in church and we sing in chapel and I sing with you today and I like to look around as we sing and watch people. And, you know, it's easy. It's easy to grow on, go on cruise control, isn't it? You know, we know the words, so we just kind of sing along and we don't even know we're singing. Like you're driving and all of a sudden you, you kind of catch yourself and you're three miles from where you last were really paying attention. You're just kind of on cruise control because you do it every day. And we sing through these songs, but think about this. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing. Not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. Nothing between like pride or station. Self, life, or friends shall not intervene. Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved that there's nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasures. Habits of life, though harmless they seem. Must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all. There's nothing between. Let me ask you a question. Is there some high place, some grove in your life today It really needs to be cut down and you know it? If your heart doesn't change, your actions won't change. Well, Pastor Tim, you know, I'm listening. I'm here at West Coast Baptist College and I really, I want to do something for God with my life. That's why I'm here and I, I want to train to serve the Lord. But I want you to understand that before you do that, the groves and high places really need to be cut down. Oftentimes we hear stories of the Bible. We hear about these great heroes of the Bible, great men and women of the Bible. And we think, wow, they, they were just amazing. They were just heroes. You know, people like Gideon who, who defeated the Midianites with his 300. Well, I want to tell you, Gideon was clearly not a physically imposing individual, it seems. He, he did not possess exceptional courage. That was clear. And while the Israelites were being overrun by the Midianites, he was so fearful that he was threshing the wheat in the wine press. He was literally doing everything he could to hide. But how interesting to see that same Gideon, a man who desperately needed the power of God in his life, that lived in a nation that desperately needed God's favor, the same Gideon in a culture of idolatry built an altar to the true and living God, the same Gideon cast down his father's altar to Baal and the grove that was by it. So what was the question? The question was this, Gideon, are you all in or not? 
Well, Gideon was all in. And so Gideon tore down the false altar. Gideon tore down the grove. And God used Gideon and his 300 to rout the Midianites. But before the trumpets, before the torches, before the victory, down came the groves. Down came the idols. So I have to ask you, what is it that needs to go today? I'm so glad you're here. I can't think of a greater place. But the question is, are you willing to be all in for God? I love the story of the young Marine that was shot and wounded and laying there and near death and his commanding officer came in and wanted to see was there anything if there was anything he could do for him and he simply had his hand clutched around a piece of paper on which he had just written two words and here this poor young man was near death he'd been shot wounded he's dying and he hands his commanding officer two words and they simply said this young marine simplify always faithful and that's the question. Are we willing to be always faithful to God, even in the little things? Even in knocking down the high places, knocking down the groves, regardless of what those high places and groves might be in your life and in my life. Before we can be the Christian that God saved us to be, before we can be used to make a difference for God with our lives. And that's my prayer for my life. I'm telling you, it just seems like yesterday I sat in chapel at Bible college. Just seems like yesterday. But it's been decades. And life's so short, it's so fleeting. I just want to do something that matters. That counts for eternity. And God says, Tim, you need to cut down the high places. You need to cut down the groves. You see, it seems easy to get rid of the big stuff. But to hold on to and rationalize and tolerate the, the little stuff because it's just little stuff. But that little stuff, it grabs a foothold in your life. And that little stuff can become a massive stronghold. You see, you have to understand, no stronghold began as a stronghold. Each stronghold began by allowing a little grove or a little high place to remain in your life. When God says, I want you to cut it down. I want it to go. I want it to stop. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Nothing, nothing, nothing between my soul and the Savior. When I was a kid, we used to sit around the dinner table. Seven kids in my family. 
Dr. R is the oldest. And we'd sit around that table and my dad would have devotions with us. And I can remember very clearly, oftentimes my dad would say, son, and he'd look at us, there were six sons. He'd say, what's the chief end of man? And he wanted a specific answer. And we did this night after night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, over and over again. He looked at us, he say, son, what's the chief end of man? We'd have to answer and say, Dad, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I can remember the day my dad sat me down. He said, son, do you know what your name means? And I thought, well, no. I mean, awesomeness? You know, I mean, I mean what, what does my name mean? He said, son, your name means to honor God. How are you doing with that? High places and groves. I don't know what it is for you. I do not know what the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to your heart today about. I don't know what he's touched your heart about. It could be just such a small thing. Such a little thing, an attitude, a heart issue. And for the time, no one knows but you and God. But God says nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing between my soul and the Savior. And I just have to believe that today would be a great day for you and your heart, for me and my heart, to say, God, I want to cut those groves down. I want to eliminate those high places. God, I just want to be the Christian that you saved me to be. God, nothing between my soul and the Savior.